Today on the show, I'm happy to have Sharek Sheikh. He's the founder of CleverX. They are creating the future of market research. And we were just talking about, you had an experience where you had a newborn on the way and you decided I'm going to start my first business. So how did that play out for you? Yeah, it was one of those crazy startup stories. Like I remember my wife was pregnant at the time, I think fourth or fifth month, second trimester. It is already crazy, right? You're going to have your first child. And I'm at work thinking, okay, I've been thinking about starting a business for the last two, three. Should I make that decision now and just walk up to my manager and say, hey, next month is going to be my last month at work and go from there. And I used to work for a really good company. I love that company, which is Gartner Research. It's world's largest technology research company. So you have the best of the benefits, the health insurance and the, the medical benefits and everything. So if I had to make that, make that decision, uh, I have to walk away from all those things in the next one month, which includes the pregnancy and the newborn and all those things up there that are going to come along in the next six months. And uh, yeah, th those are, that was one very defining moment for me when I knew that I wanted to do the startup. So I, the next day, after putting like a couple of hours of thought on that day, and then just walking up to my manager and saying, hey, I won't be coming after a month and uh, starting up my business. Luckily, everything worked out very well. So it wasn't a problem and she was very supportive to me. So I believe sometimes you've got to make those decisions without worrying about the timing of things. A lot of people don't make decisions around startups or major life decisions because timing isn't perfect. I think there's no perfect timing to do anything. That, that was a learning lesson out of that. So what ended up having happening with that business? Because now you're on your next one. Yeah. Yeah. So the first business we did really, really well. It was a services-based company. I was just getting out of Gartner and I knew about research space a lot. And the second, so we had a pretty good exit on that, which was a six-figure, almost a seven-figure exit with all the profitability and everything. And I decided that I should build something in the same space, but more technology-driven platform, which is a self-service product, solves the problem of market researchers again, because that's like the core bread and butter from where I come from as a mix of technology and research. Uh, and I think we ended up building CleverX, which is the second company that I started. And CleverX is doing incredibly well now. We are 15 employees. We just had a company retreat last month because we've achieved like major milestones this year. And the last couple of years, we grew almost like five to six X in terms of revenues. And now we're building this tool which solves major problems on audience discovery for market research teams. For example, a research company wants to go and get online surveys done by CIOs of 100 million plus revenue companies. It's very difficult for them to do that through LinkedIn or panel providers. And uh, a lot of people don't know this about online surveys is even the companies or researcher who's building the survey and getting the insights has no idea who's taken the survey. The industry is structured that way from a privacy and GDPR compliance standpoint. A lot of unreliable players have entered into it. So they're trying to fake a lot of surveys uh, to make that money. And each survey is like on average 80 to $150, depending on the person or the, the profile. So there are a lot of people who want to get that money. So there's 40% fraud rate in that industry. And to solve that, CleverX has come up with a very transparent model where the researcher can choose whom they want to invite for their online surveys with 100% true identity of a professional. But at the same time, you have the ability to chat with your participant. 
I think no other company allows you to do that. And because of that, I think the growth has been phenomenal with CleverX. And I think that should be the standard for the industry in the future. Yeah. Was the last venture in this venture, were they both bootstrapped or venture backed? The first one was completely bootstrapped. This one is we've raised money from some investors from Qualtrics, Ipsos, some well-known angel investors in Silicon Valley as well. So we've raised some money and we went profitable in January this year, which is being pretty exciting. This year has not been the best for a lot of startups, but I think for us. What's been the takeaways from having the bootstrap business versus the venture back business? Yeah, I think a couple of things as I think the bootstrap business has its pros and cons. You know, you're not reporting really in, in any way what's going on in the business. There's no one checking on you every month. Hey, what's happening with the business? So from an accountability standpoint, it can be a good and a bad thing, right? Depends on how you see it. Have external involvement into their business. And I think that's a good thing. So the pressure is off. But you cannot scale at the speed unless your customers are like pouring money into a bootstrap business like crazy, which is very uncommon or rare to watch or see. When you have a venture-backed business where you're taking money from external people, they have an incentive to put in money, not just to be a part of your journey of a startup, but they're also looking for investment, return on their investment, right? They, they do have skin in the game and they will question you. So there's this accountability part that comes into it. I wanted to go to the cycles just to understand what it feels like. And lucky for us, we have some incredible investors and they've been super supportive in this business. But I hear from a lot of friends who have raised like a lot of money, but not necessarily happy and might want to go back to bootstrap ways of doing things because the pressure is enormous. I think a big part of that is also choosing the right investors. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, there's a saying, right, in Silicon Valley, your relationship with an investor or VC is longer than an average marriage in America. So it's tough once that contract is signed. And you only know true characters, both to, for a founder as well as uh, times are not so good. When times are great, like people are, they're happy, right? You want to go and hang around with your investor. But when times go bad, it's when you see the true character on both the sides of the equation, both the founders as well as investors. Of course, it makes sense to get all that due diligence done, but sometimes people don't have a choice, right? The business is dying and you're not revenue generating or profit making, and you still want to continue this business because you believe in it. So you've got to get investors. And sometimes people have chosen wrong investors because of that reason. So, yeah. Did you go venture backed with this from day one? Not really. I had some money saved from the previous business. And I decided that we're going to first look for product and then go raise money. I think that's the better way of doing things because you want to make sure that what you're building is valuable to the customer base. It's not just like vitamin, it's a painkiller, really solves someone's problem, saves time or saves money or lets them earn money and help your users to see there is this new product or a tool that can help me get this job done. But most importantly, definition of product market fit is not just like one-time purchase. You also want to make sure that someone's repeating that purchase every week, every day, if possible, or every month. And I think we wanted to find that out. It took us almost a year to figure that out. And then we went ahead and raised like money after we figured out the persona and the industry that we wanted to go off. I think it's a better way to do it because so you can go to investors with more knowledge of what exactly am I doing here? What am I using money for? Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a story, right? You actually have some data points to show like these users are using it for this purpose and they've increased their spend on the platform without, you know, crazy marketing budgets or whatever. Like it is actually a product that works. And I think that's the right way to do it because a lot of people read Paul Graham's like essays. I'm like a big fan. 
And he writes, the first biggest thing that a founder needs to achieve is product market fit. And that's the most difficult thing. The second would be raising capital. But unfortunately, those equations have slipped. People want to raise first and then go after product market fit. Maybe it's relevant in some industries, but not all. In software, it can be done. Bootstrap, PM fit, and then raise money. We're also no longer in the euphoria phase of raising capital. Yes, of 2021. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah, we, now companies are releasing, even VCs and funds are releasing reports of companies who are generating revenues, right? So there's a top 10, top 100 list, which YC released recently highest revenue generating company that never existed before. So I think times have changed now where you are seeing more value given to companies which are becoming profitable, trying to grow the business in a more sustained way than just raising capital. I think we see it, we saw that a lot with the crypto world as well. Yeah, over $50 billion invested in that space. Yeah, I'm glad it's going back to reality now. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, some companies are going to die. And we're seeing that already, right? From 2022, third quarter to now, even until end of 2023, you're going to see a lot of startups go away, big and small, which is unfortunate for employees. But I think that correction is needed. Yeah. It creates an overall stronger economy, stronger businesses. Yes. That's great. So if you could tell your younger self any one thing, what would it be? I think one of the biggest things I would suggest, I, I even talk to people who are like in their grad school. I recently did a, a couple of hours of QA with engineering grads in CS. The one thing that I would tell them is position yourself to be in a place where you are around creators and builders if you want to get into entrepreneurship as early as possible. Don't just rely on your degrees to know what's happening in the industry. And rather than that, create like these small projects, work on multiple projects with multiple people who are similar to you are trying to create and build things and be around them right be in places of new york where there is a startup ecosystem or a hub and you, you can meet people who are similar to you who want to build things in the future i think that would be the biggest advice which i should have followed i didn't have that luxury to do it but if now to think back in hindsight i could have done that so, Sharek, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with CleverX or yourself, how could they do? Yeah, I think the best way to reach us, reach me would be on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So my first name is hopefully unique enough to be the first hit on LinkedIn and you can get in touch with me and probably I can be of any help to your users as well. Thank you, Sharek, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki. Make sure to smash that subscribe button and we'll see you next time. Thank you.